I don't think it's live television, Scully. She just said... Second. <laughs> <laughs> we dared after closure, so I imagine it's February 20th. I'll be really impressed if you get that right, just guessing. <laughs> well, just seven days after closure, yeah. which is the 13th. Uh, yes, February 20th. All right, we got it on video. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Condensed Truth. The Essential X Files podcast. I'm your host Shelby, and I'm Laura, and we have returning guest Nick. Welcome back, Nick. Welcome. We are here to delve into all things X Cops. <laughs> Season seven, episode twelve, X Cops, aired February twentieth, two thousand. It was written by Vince Gilligan and directed by Michael Watkins. Michael Watkins is becoming a staple. He's appeared quite a bit. I kind of yeah, that's cool. I've never really taken notice of his episodes before, but now that I have to like write down who writes and directs and everything, I'm like, wow, like recurring characters other than him <laughs> and um, Rob. So the plot is that Mulder and Scully are looking for a monster in Willow Park in L.A. and they end up on cops and. As you probably guessed, this, this episode has a lot of backstory. Vince had wanted to do this for a while, and everyone kept dismissing him. I mean, it's a great idea. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then Chris was like, well, they thought season seven was going to be their final season of the show. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we don't have that many episodes left. Let's let Vince do his silly little cop show. <laughs> Unlike all the other episodes of the X-Files, this was shot on digital tape instead of film, oh, which is interesting. They, that's part of the reason they were so hesitant. They didn't want to shoot with, you know, digital film because it's like harder to work with to make stuff scary, I guess. But they just decided to not ever show the monster, <laughs> which was the better choice. Budget right? saving option. It is by far the better <laughs> choice, but still. Yeah. Yeah. And so Vince even went on a ride along for cops. The they they talked to I believe the guy's name is John Langley that uh, is the creator of Cops, and some of the film crew of Cops came on to help direct. I love that. So it was it was cross pro- cross promotional Fox branding. No kidding. I love that he went on a ride along with cop like with the show Cops, and not just like with a cop like. <laughs> That's not normally how people do ride-alongs. Yeah, can you just imagine, like, getting pulled over for, like, some stupid shit like all the cops on the cops do? Yeah. Um, and, and then it's like, this is the film, this is the film crew, this is a random writer from the X-Files. <laughs> Vince Gilligan's just taking notes with his little notepad. Yeah. <laughs> Truly the genesis of where Breaking Bad begins probably happened on that ride-along. That's what I was I mean, thinking, probably, too. I was yeah. like, That's literally how Breaking Bad started. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and Vince said he was a big fan of cops and so I was like this kind of explains a lot I'm gonna be real with you Vince because he was always the most copagandist writer on the X-Files to me 
I love his work, but it shines through that like he really just hook line sinker, just took everything they we said to folks. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Cops as a show started in 1989 and it ran for a very long time. It's, it's actually on. coming back, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I did not know that Cops started in 1989. Yeah. That's crazy. I actually watched a few. I, I made it through two Cops episodes before I was like, I got to dip. Yeah. <laughs> because it, yeah, had, it's awful. it had been quite a while since I've seen it. I saw it a lot as like a kid. It's just always on. Right. That bad boys mm-hmm. theme is honestly iconic. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so I watched some and the first one I watched was pretty rough. It had a really awful cop that was just like, like the kind of guy who just thinks everybody around him stupid as hell forever having to have cops come into their lives to handle something like victims and alleged perpetrators alike getting the complete ire of this man like no compassion like shown towards anybody in the episode at all and i was like i don't know if i can do another one and i watched another one and it was like a slightly nicer cop and i was like okay this is uh, this is a little bit better <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen an episode of Cops probably since I was a child and it was maybe playing in the background. Mm -hmm. Like, I did watch police shows. Like, we were more of, like, a First 48 household, which is, like, about, like, murder squads specifically. Like, the time window of, like, having the first 48 hours after a murder in order to get the most of a case together and best chance of finding the murderer or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. It is interesting in the context of the show because Mulder and Scully are cops. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they are FBI agents who are just federal cops. Yeah, they get their own little special introduction in yeah. the episode after. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will say they they spent money into the intro and the bumpers on this mm-hmm. episode, and it's very nice. So the bumpers are because so Vince Vince's ideas no x-files logo at all like no x-files theme mm-hmm. song it just looks like an episode of cops and i love it and fox was like you can't do that someone might think this is an episode of cops and he's like that's the point and they should <laughs> yeah i want some like very high person watching tv in the 90s to genuinely convince <laughs> themselves that Mulder and scully were on an episode of cops <laughs> I stand by Vince's vision of having no X Files branding. Yeah, they had they didn't have the chutzpah for it, but it it was a great yeah. idea. I mean, of course they're not going to. But <laughs> yeah, I mean the with the intro, the cold open, they get pretty far. They before, do, and they even know. have the the warning that cops episodes have. Yep. And and one thing I was struck by watching my two episodes of Cops that I managed to get through is like. It's so much low level stuff, you know, like there's something mm-hmm. to be said for like how just like it, it makes cop work like really monotonous sometimes. Like they're yeah. just like they see somebody acting suspicious, they pull them over and they have drugs, whether they were planted or not. Like a lot of these cases, like there was this uh, I was trying to find articles about it. And this one guy made a mini or this group made a mini series about examining cops i think it's called running from the cops or something and they did a bunch of analysis and and like there were cases where they said it was drugs it wasn't drugs it was it was not even remotely close oh, to yeah, drugs yeah. there was one woman who said that they denied her bail until she signed the release so she could be they could show her face 
in a cops episode. And then it wasn't even drugs that they pulled from her car. Like a lot of like just two of like the most unaccountable, shady organizations doing a joint horror <laughs> with like yeah. the industry, like the media complex and cops because yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ethically, cops should not exist as a show. <laughs> cops, right. you know, as a profession and as a TV show. Um. Yeah, yeah, both, but yeah. There was a case in, in Texas, in, in Williamson County, which is north of Austin, there was this guy named Sheriff Chody. famous. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ran his campaign because he won the lottery. And his, I, just, I, I like just scrolled through his Twitter feed one year, like a couple years ago, and just like sent my friend Kevin... Our friend Kevin, like the, the tweets, and we just kept making fun of this dude. But like, all he posted about was like his sheriffs on TV shows because they were on live live PD, which is somehow worse than cops. They were on this like yeah. police canine academy thing, and like some other show. And all he's doing is like post like me complete publicity hound slash sheriff. And. In any way, like, his deputies were filming live PD, chased some guy down in a car chase and killed him. And then mm-hmm. they had live PD destroy the footage. It's awful. Yeah, like, by design, this whole show, like, it's cheap, shitty reality television first, which, like, most reality TV is. Mm-hmm. But it's also an incredibly insidious propaganda machine, right? Because exactly. Absolutely. This is like gently alluded to in the show and through the plot of X-Cops is like the cops mm-hmm. have final edit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I also found so interesting is one of the cops episodes I watched was from season two. They put like z- almost no cryons on the screen. They don't explain it anything. Like at any point, it's just they're going somewhere, place to place. You pick up the context clues as you go. But then I watched the season eight episode and they had the cop narrating like they do in the show. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really fascinating because it gives the cops a voice. And they're sitting here saying, like, we're getting bad guys off the street. And it's like, you are the bad guys on the street. Like, y'all are yeah. gang members, especially with this because they use real deputy officers. Sorry, I, I feel like I'm going to tirade. <laughs> No, it's, it's great. It's, it's good. Go. But specifically, they used L.A. De- sheriffs. I believe they were sheriffs. So this would be L.A. LA County de- Department sheriffs. And they have a huge problem of their sheriffs just being gang members. Yeah. Like, the sheriffs yeah. have gang members. And I'll, I'll, I'll include a link. I didn't get to finish this. It's like a 15-part series, and I read, like, through first five but this great piece by Knock LA talking about like specifically the LA gangs and all of their stupid ass names, like the little devils and all this stupid shit, like them just doing like gang shit on the weekends, terrorizing like black and Latino people in Mm -hmm. LA. And like, it's just so like horrifying to think about like this is happening and then you have like the influx of cocaine into LA around the same time because of the Contras using selling cocaine, assisted by the CIA, selling cocaine in the US, in LA specifically, to fund their war against the Sandinistas. Like it, it, there's so many pieces yeah. going on here. It's just like Vince like wrote this really funny episode, and I'm sitting here like uncovering this. Right. <laughs> Right, going deep. Well, like in real time, I think this is February twenty seventh, is what you said, two thousand. Yeah, it's like days, I think, before the scandal about the Rampart Division 
and the LAPD oh, like, yeah. is broken. Yeah, wow. I think that's in March of 2000, if memory serves. Wow. Like um, the show The Shield, which we all love TV here, like that's all based on the real shit that the Rampart Division mm-hmm. and the LAPD was doing. Like as oh, this that's episode right. is I didn't even produced. make that connection. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And even like the guy who, uh, the showrunner for The Shield said that like, because they were so critical of cops, they would refuse to help shut down production. Mm-hmm. If they were doing stuff outside, the cops would just not show up. Yeah. It was yeah. so deep on the shield that they could not even use the phrase LAPD without fear of retribution from yes. the LAPD. Wow. I think they even moved which side they put the badges on. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, they, they tried as hard as possible to like not get sued even a little. Anyway. Legal department working overtime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, this is, like, all of this context exists around this episode, and it's such a funny yeah. episode, but we, like, I, I just want, I didn't want us to not talk about this. It's, it's. No, we have yeah. to. Yeah. I think that's part of why this episode is interesting is because of all of the context around it. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you can enjoy this episode as a funny episode outside of that, but really it's, it's more interesting with this context of like w- policing at the time and in LA, like mm-hmm. it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's a wild, it makes it like more of a wild trip. <laughs> <laughs> so to our episode, you know, at the cold open, as mentioned, I, this is a great cold open. Vince is great at these, Fantastic. but like, yeah, just like the guy, like, Going for a call, getting scared shitless of, about something, and then the police crews are getting flipped. And, um, yeah, and then we get, like, the actual cops theme and, and the way they're doing the show where they just assemble a bunch of clips. And the theme goes on for quite a while. Like, even in mm-hmm. Cops too. I'm like, this is 20 minutes. Like, y'all are spending, like, two entire minutes on this. <laughs> yeah. So this isn't the syndicated version. We can go all out on that extended team, on the theme. <laughs> exactly. they got to throw the full line in there. Not even your Idrin now giving a break, you know? Normally, they just cut it off. You just get bad boys, bad boys, and then boom, right in the middle of the episode. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> So we have like the deputy showing up. They're trying to get info out of the sh- the deputy who was in the car that flipped uh, Wetzel, and he's pretty cagey. And they 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 get an alert of like armed suspects. And this is where our our courageous FBI agent Smolder and Scully <laughs> enter the picture. And it's such a funny introduction. <laughs> it's so great. I love Scully in this episode. And and like David and Jillian are doing great acting playing Mulder and Scully and how they would react to the camera. Scully just mm-hmm. hating them, not wanting them to be there. Mm-hmm. Mulder like st- staring directly at the camera and then just rolling with it and being like really excited to have people listen to his message. Like just Vince gets it. Like it's perfect. It's so good. Yeah, it feels like they're playing them like in real time. Like they're reacting to this stuff in yeah. much the way that a subject or a cop on cops would react to things. Mm-hmm. It feels like a really kind of fun acting exercise for them sometimes. Like, this is some of their better acting because I think they're just having fun, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, we mentioned this with Triangle, but I feel like they get stuck in mm-hmm. a, like, they play them the same way for so long that anytime they get, like, a little bit of deviation, it's, like, rejuvenates them a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, even the that small moment when, like, she first pulls Mulder aside and says, like, Mulder, have you noticed they're 
cameras here and he's just like yeah but they're not live cameras you just said fuck you know it's like you wouldn't get that in another episode that's like one of the best jokes on this in this episode was like i don't think it's live tv school and she just said yeah. the way that just makes me bust out laughing every single time i watch it it is just like the perfect i don't think it's live television school <laughs> And, and, like, the way, like, the actual deputies don't react to the cameras, like, that much, other than, like, narrating right. to it. And, like, Mulder and Scully are having to adjust to that. It's perfect. And um and Scully hiding from the camera and Mulder just diving straight in and going up to this deputy. It's like, it was tall. It was seven feet tall. It had claws. It was a <laughs> werewolf. <laughs> and they're like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> I love it when Mulder has to describe something that he doesn't want to immediately say what it is because he doesn't want that, like, oh, ridiculous, of course not reaction, and he's just describing a werewolf, <laughs> and then they're like, and what would you call this kind of creature? And, like, he will not say werewolf until he has to. <laughs> it's so funny. And and even him just, like, very straight-faced being like, sorry, you're going to become a werewolf, by the way, like. We need you, like, yeah. isolated. And he's just like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> he's he's so good. <laughs> yeah, in a way, like, I think that one of the things that cops thrived off of was sensationalism, right? The sensationalism of its subject. Right. And so uh, mm-hmm. rather than getting, like, somebody who's, like, um, an innocent bystander, essentially, or someone who is innocent until proven guilty, you've got Mulder kind of stepping in to fulfill that role. Uh, and I would say that that's probably better than, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, some somebody who's being accused of a crime making these claims. Because now it's like the calls are right. from inside the house. It's the FBI exactly. making these claims. <laughs> exactly. And the FBI has nothing to hide. <laughs> and, and Scully gets so many good lines in this. Like, this is also when she's, you yeah. know, like, you can talk to me about werewolves, so you knock yourself out. Like, you cannot be saying this on live television. I don't want you to be embarrassed. He's like, what am I to be embarrassed about? Like, wh- what do I have to lose? And she's like, no, I meant me. I don't want me looking foolish, Mulder. <laughs> yeah. And then I love that she's like, call Skinner and ask him. And Skinner's like, yeah, no, the FBI has nothing to hide. Go be on TV. <laughs> I just like to imagine that Skinner just doesn't want to deal with it at this time. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, I don't care. Just... <laughs> Whatever. Based based on how he handles uh, Hollywood ID, I I imagine he was like pretty giddy, like to just have his agents on television. (laughs) But Mulder gets thrown off kilter because the woman who saw the monster tonight says it was Freddy Krueger. That was Freddy Krueger, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't know. I don't know my yeah yeah, the claw monster. (laughs) Which? How else would you describe Freddy Krueger? Yeah. Yeah. I I gotta take Mulder's side here. Like, I would be thrown off by that claim as well. You know, Freddy famously mm-hmm. has the glove that has three fingers. We see the claw mark has five. It happened, you know, <laughs> while this woman is awake. I guess, like, mm-hmm. after Freddy's two, you know, that, that fits within the rules. But still, you know, not his <laughs> typical M.O. <laughs> Mulder asks Scully to take Deputy Wetzel to get checked out. They end up coming back. And... She's she's saying it wasn't a bite. It was insect insect marks. And and she's like and her quip about she says something along the lines of um, together. They just look like a larger pattern, especially when we want them to. 
Although it was an understandable conclusion that I'm sure anybody would have made. And then notices the camera and is like, but it was an easy mistake to make. And like his smile when she's like <laughs> defending him on TV is just so funny to me. I love it so much. <laughs> and of course, like her, all of her antics about like at one point she shoves her hand in the camera and she, they go off to like another call and she slams the door and like just leaves this cameraman. <laughs> she's like, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> She said, no, you go with someone else. Yeah, yeah. She Get said, you're car. not getting in my car. <laughs> but the next victim is that the sketch artist, Ricky, was attacked, and he has claw marks on his uh, mm -hmm. bulletproof vest. And this is just great. Like, <laughs> Skelly's just, like, pushing it, and, like, blood's coming out of one of the things. And then we, like, <laughs> cut to commercial. It's just, like, you could just see how well set up this whole episode is like taking this wild theme and just like nailing all the little bits of it like knowing when like a good commercial it cut to commercial is like like i feel like it takes so much longer than normal for them to like really get a good grasp of what's happening or like the best explanation yeah. this episode is very well thought through like every beat is very sort of like intentionally put there mm -hmm. and like because this episode may seem kind of, like, fun, and, I mean, it is fun and silly to an extent, but, like, like it would be kind of easy to just do, but actually episodes like this, I think, are harder to plan out. Exactly. Because you have to recreate something that's normally, like, live, quote-unquote, and then, like, edited later, right? But you have to be able to, like, recreate those same story beats, like, in a scripted show. And that can be really hard. And I think that... Yeah, like these moments of like when to cut to commercial, cut to the bumper type of stuff is really like like really good, like really well thought out, like really planned. Like mm -hmm. there was a lot of thinking about how do you even pull off this type of story? Mm -hmm. And it can be kind of hard to describe like secondhand, but like it is really, really fun to watch. Mm -hmm. You're fitting within like an actual narrative structure of how a cop cops episode works with also how a fictional story works and melding right. those together in a way where like it seems, you know, not where they fit. Yeah. And they blend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, it doesn't feel awkward. And mm -hmm. this episode could very easily feel awkward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like exactly. it takes just so much more focus to capture that artifice and like mm -hmm. reproduce it in a fictional setting than it would be to just like let it play out naturally. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so our next our next lead is Scully Punch and Pink Nail and they talk to who called it in and we meet Stephen Eady, which I would like to figure out how y'all feel because I feel like it's Stephen Eady are like a very fine line and I think it kind of depends on my mood whether I think it's kind of homophobic or like camp, you know? <laughs> it's it's never really come across as homophobic to me. Okay. I think, like, Steve and Edie, I think, are, like, unique enough within the story that it, like, it, they add character to it, and it doesn't ever seem like they're insulting people or that they're making fun of them, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think the, the part that the show is making fun of is Mulder's response to some of Steve and Edie, like, how uncomfortable he gets yeah. when he, like... When Edie acknowledges that they have sex, <laughs> and Mulder's like, uh. Right. 
but that's well and he okay he's kind of being homophobic but also i do think he just like doesn't fuck that much so they're kind of just like interacting with people that they're not really expecting to interact with right Mm -hmm. so like it's more just like trying to figure out how to get the information that they need out of these people and then like move on and Steve and Edie are, are kind of funny in that way that they like kind of like draw them back in like a couple of times. Yes. But, <laughs> but I mean, Steve it never came across right. as like homophobic or anything to me. Like, even if Mulder's being kind of weird, like, I don't know, that's on him being <laughs> sure. weird. What's new? Like, uh, we see how big a weird idiot Mulder is every single week, like, it, to his specific pornography viewing habits within this show. Like, I don't think that there's anything, they're not even on camera long enough for us to see, you know, anything that we could perceive as yeah. weird from them that could even touch Fox yeah. Mulder. Yeah, just like very flamboyant, <laughs> but right. like, that's just kind of how Edie is, and I yeah. love her for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and there are flamboyant people, so. Yeah. I was yeah. definitely yeah. worried when I saw them come back on screen. I was just like, oh man, how does this play out? Um, like this was very early 2000s, a very different landscape than we have mm-hmm. right now. Uh, yeah. And again, the lens of the episode is through cops. So it's not necessarily how we would see these two characters on the X-Files. It's going right. to be through the lens of sensationalism. Mm-hmm. Right. But exactly. I think, yeah, we'll get back to it later. I think that they ultimately are portrayed with a great deal of respect and rightfully so. I think that the plot definitely respects these mm-hmm. two characters. Um, yeah. Vindicates them almost. Yeah. They're like the only people other than like Mulder, Scully, Mulder and Scully that don't really get are in the direct path of this and don't get got because right. like they similar to Mulder and Scully have a strength within the relationship. But yeah. it is it is fascinating. Yeah. And I just, I adore how quickly Mulder picks up on the whole monologuing to the camera bit. Like, he should have had a public access TV show desperately. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we talked about it in this podcast, but I've talked about it on my Twitter. But, like, in the revival, there was no reason for Mulder to, like, be in the FBI. Like, he should have had a YouTube show. He just should have had, like, a podcast. He should have just been a crank online or something, like... This is how he is. (laughs) Yeah, he shouldn't have even had it in uh, I Want to Believe. Like, I think that that's late enough in the game that he should have had his own channel. Exactly. Hard agree. They meet with Shantara, the woman who was seen near Ricky when he was attacked. (laughs) And they're talking to him. And and this is a great Mulder scene because, like, in, in very Mulder fashion, he's so reassuring. He's telling her, like, even stands in front of the camera. He looks back to see where the camera is so he can get in the line of sight to block her. And he just says, like, if you think what you're about to say is going to, we're not going to believe it, we will. Like, I prom- I will. <laughs> I promise you I'll believe anything. <laughs> right. It's interesting because, like, Mulder is being genuine, but also he does just sound like a cop. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. He, <laughs> he was really hoping she was going to say it's a werewolf, it's I like, think. It's like... Why would she tell you anything? Yeah. He's he's literally just trying to find someone who has seen a werewolf. He's convinced. Yeah. It, at this point, he's still convinced it's a werewolf. He's on a werewolf hunt. <laughs> he just wants to see them so damn bad. But she says it was her boyfriend and that she, he had threatened to choke her neck like a chicken. And there is a, a good character bit, a bit of foreshadowing, really. Well... Maybe not foreshadowing, but like it makes sense later that like uh, Shantara's face is blurred the entire time because 
she dies before they she can sign a release and everything. And so that was I think that was a great bit of like understated storytelling. We we do get a very cop interaction where they have like the it's like my favorite part of the job, knocking down crack houses. And the guy was like, heard that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this, this, this sounds about right. If we're gonna talk about this episode being cringe at points, like it's kind of this part <laughs> yeah. for me. I'm like, yeah. God, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, and like the crack house felt like it was just to like this is what cops needs. Mm-hmm. Like not necessarily what the story yeah. needs. It's also very much like of that two thousands era of cop television was so focused on drugs. Mm, exactly. Like everything was about drugs. Yeah, I think it. the podcast I mentioned earlier that I haven't listened to, but I read the articles they mm-hmm. wrote uh, running from the cops. They said something like forty four percent. I want to say it was forty four percent of the stops in cops were drugs. And it was like yeah. three times the actual number of stops for drugs. Yeah. So like the war on drugs, like the way this show play, like yeah. cops, the show, not the X-Files, plays into like the war on drugs cannot be overstated. Yeah. And this is just another example of that. I think like it is pretty insane. And it's like not just cops, but like sort of all sort of cop shows, like even things like Dog the Bounty Hunter. I don't know if y'all ever watched Dog the Bounty Hunter, but a little those are all drug cases mm-hmm. like all of them and like a big focus on the show is like fighting meth in hawaii mm. like it's crazy crazy mm-hmm. how much these types of shows were just like such propaganda for the war on drugs i mean again mm-hmm. a scant like week or so before this news breaks about the rampart division like of course this is what they were going to insist on as part of this crossover right. like this was their part of the deal is like we've got to have mm-hmm. the most essential part of our propaganda machine represented here yeah right yeah exactly in in the knock la piece i was reading about the cops it, it, it was staggering how out of control they got because at one point like Somebody comes into this the substation and, and wants to improve it. Like, there are a lot of gangs here. Maybe we should have fewer gangs, folks. And at one point, a deputy reported somebody who was trying to curb this, reported his car is stolen and that, like, he was armed, like, to get him mm-hmm. killed. Like, it, it's dire. Like, in, in L.A. and, like, I mean, you can't really say too much about other cities, even though I... I'm confident it's happening <laughs> in other cities. Like, I know Baltimore's pretty bad, too, I think, during... Let's not even get into the NYPD. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The most famous cops. Yeah, and it's it's it was staggering. Like, I, I, was, I was not very fond of the cops going into reading this piece, but even just seeing the kind of brazen behavior they took, uh, it was it was absolutely mind-boggling. I think the the crack house bit is like the least interesting part because it it leans way too much in the cut. Co- like there's like a baby there and like all these people are belligerent. It's just there's like, like too many people in that house too, <laughs> like an ungodly amount of people in that house. And it just serves no purpose to the story really at mm-hmm. all. Like it just doesn't need to be there. It's definitely just like fast forward two mm-hmm. minutes and you will still have the same amount of information yeah. you had before. Yeah, it's definitely the weak part of the episode. Yeah, I guess there's only like one yeah. bit of relevant info, right? Which is who's in the crack house. Mm-hmm. And that like two right. 
Or, uh, no, what was his name? I forgot his name. It's not Tuco. I was just confusing him with the other Vince Gilligan character. But her boyfriend. But, yeah. Her boyfriend, and he's dead, so. Yeah, so he couldn't have done the he next action, which is where she gets killed. Learned nothing, yeah. <laughs> oh, Chuko, that's his name. And, yeah, so, like, she gets killed. Wetzel is shooting at nothing. But hitting something, like, yeah. It's just... Again, though, like, this is, like, the second time he's kind of, like, shot at nothing, but, like, maybe hit something. <laughs> how How is this creature not getting Wetzel? <laughs> like, how do you... How do you? How many times must this man do this? Just fumbled the bag twice, killing with his deputy. <laughs> no, it's kind of an interesting device, the idea that we don't ever see this thing happen on camera, right? Um, so we're left mm-hmm. to conclude that it is a monster, but the, I think that the episode wants to have it both ways, where you can kind of conclude that what Wetzel is saying may be true for a second, which I really don't buy. Oh, never. Yeah, I don't buy that at all. <laughs> It's in the in little bit of reading I did about this episode, they kind of talked about how they wanted it to kind of be like something they couldn't catch on film, like something people saw, but we couldn't catch. And I was like, that doesn't I don't that didn't work for me. That's a bit weak, I think. Yeah, I think they were like, what's a sensational thing that we can say, mm-hmm. you know, and again, sort of like highlighting like the current like state of like policing in L.A. at the time, like. Yeah, it was gang members, sure. Mm-hmm. And also, this is kind of like the genesis of the found footage genre of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really not that far out from when Blair Witch happened, which kind of... Is Blair Witch actually thing. happened before. Yeah. In 99. Yeah, so I think that that, again, is another thing that you can look towards and see um, that's done really well there, where you can still watch that yeah. now and kind of make your own conclusions, whereas this episode biomission of that really wants you to still conclude it's uh, the it's it's the claw monster for lack of a better term <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 it's yeah it's just it's it's kind of funky that this creature seems to have corporeal form but is also not seen by a lot of people <laughs> that's that's a bit right. clunky but Mulder gets more info because he drags it out of Wetzel that like what he keeps seeing is that it's this wasp man his brother t- tormented him with and so Mulder's sitting there, like, cooking. He's like, wait, Scully, hold on. It's fear, right? It's fear. It's a contagion. And, and Scully's just like, I don't, I don't follow, but okay. <laughs> and, and, and they're trying to work out where this goes, and, and they arrive back that, like, they work out that Stevie and Edie were in this path, so they worry that they're going to be attacked next, so they go back to Stevie and They go back to Stevie and Edie's. They walk in on the argument, and this is kind of where we, like, get some more Steve and Edie. And they stay with him for a little bit, and it's interesting, because, like, I wonder how much, like, how worked up Edie is, is kind of, like, a side effect of this monster. Like, she wasn't directly affected, but it was, like, enough to make her insecure about the relationship. Like, it's, we're not, we don't know enough about them as a couple that we can't really discern too much, but, like, yeah. Her fear is also something that's not physical, though, too. Like, her fear is something that is non-corporeal, so it's like, how does that manifest, right? Like, it, like she could be, this could be affecting her, but it's not, like, going to kill them in the way that, like, everyone else that has been hurt has been, has been fearing for their physical safety. Yeah, exactly. You know? like, yeah, yeah, it could just be general anxiety, you know? 
Mm -hmm. Both of them seem pretty, frankly, unbothered by all of this nonsense, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the stuff that happens with Trintara, like, that's a person that they knew, and I'm sure that that's sad to them, but it's also kind of just another day (laughs) in their world. Like, why would this be a bee monster, you know? (laughs) Uh, When you could I do like that. (laughs) Go ahead. No, you just make more reasonable conclusions, and I think that they do. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I do like how Edie earlier when she was shown the fo- the fingernail of Shantara was just like I know that skank gas color. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and the just they're oh, they're so good. Just like, you know, she's on you know, she's on the pipe, so we don't associate with her. <laughs> um, like Mulder doing the most investigative work that he's done in years as an FBI agent, being like, We're looking for someone whose nail matches their hair. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So they end up leaving because they realize it's not really, you know, whatever came isn't coming back. So Mulder goes with Wetzel and kind of talks with him. And this is kind of about the point where he, you know, Wetzel's talking to Mulder and Mulder's really reassuring him. There's there's some nice digs where like Wetzel doesn't realize, he, you know, he says, I can't go. I can't have this kind of reputation. I just started. <laughs> and Mulder's like, I know. Um, but but <laughs> this is a point where we kind we kind of get an insight. It's I will say it's it's unclear to me the, like the extent of like Vince is having this deputy say, like, every day I go out, I'm in fear for my life. I don't know how much of that is like just because that's kind of how the co- that's kind of how cops approaches it. That's a lot how the law enforcement officers view themselves. They view themselves. They are not like top ten in workers that die. Uh, I think it's the same as like when I get in my car. Sometimes like I could die here. You know, <laughs> like I could get in a fatal car accident. Uh, this is yeah. This is a speech where um, I'm like he's a cop that's describing what it's like to be policed. You know, mm-hmm. he's like. I'm in fear of my life. Like anything could happen. Mm-hmm. All these people just could, they want to hurt you. And it's like, yeah, that's literally what it feels like to be police. Mm-hmm. When your deputies are walking out into the streets, mm-hmm. harassing any black person they see, that's what the black person mm-hmm. feels like. Exactly. And, but it, it's mm-hmm. such a peek into the cop mind, the cop mindset. Where they've convinced themselves that every single person wants to kill them, they're always in threat in their life, and they act like it. They they shoot without reper- repercussions. They they approach every interaction with extreme hostility. That's exactly what the cop mindset is. Like it's it's kind of a brilliant co- insight into them as a profession. For sure, and it makes Wetzel in particular like the perfect mark for this entity, right? Like that's the MO. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It shows like the police and civilians being affected by this the same way. It's it it's deep fear among everybody, but it's stronger with people in this high crime area and in the you know the police the people that are patrolling the high crime area. Sometimes causing the high crime. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> Literally, yeah. So yeah, it's it's in in like it's probably dismissive to be like Vince accidentally did that. Like that's he, you know, he's a fan of cops. So you know, there's a certain element of Breaking Bad that leans a little bit into copaganda. So 
Yeah. Maybe not exactly uncritically, but he is unearthing some truth that is incredibly evident to us. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that it's not necessarily uncritical, but it could also be more critical. Exactly. Then we have Scully. I don't quite understand why they need to autopsy Shantara. I think we all know how she died. <laughs> I mean, neither does the other autopsy. <laughs> That's person. true. But we're biding our time. We always need a Scully autopsy scene. And, and Scully's like irritation at this other, you know, uh, I don't know if she's a medical examiner or like assistant or whatever, but this medical examiner. Yeah. F- terrified for her life, right. which she's in a morgue. I'm, I'm not sure what there is to be terrified of, but I think she's convinced herself it's a contagion and she's kind of rolled with that. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that she does not get the on-screen caption that Mulder or Scully or any of like the <laughs> other cops get, so it must not have been that yes. important. Yeah. <laughs> She's a medical intern. She was just like going to school online, and this is like her credit hours. She's got to be ready to mm-hmm. go in the middle of the night whenever the FBI calls, I guess. <laughs> yeah. She does have that great bit where she's like, we have murder victims stacked three high. In the freezer. I don't understand why this warrants the attention it's getting you have this camera crew and scully's like the fbi has nothing to hide (laughs) i love that line she looks directly at the camera and says as sassily as possible the fbi has nothing to hide yeah it's like another good bit that reminds you like in universe like this is probably the first time that scully's ever been on camera all that other shit that happens like in Mm -hmm. every episode prior that's behind closed doors <laughs> at the FBI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love how Scully's lit in the scene because it is, she is so, there's just a spotlight on her. You can barely make out any of her face, but it works so well for the fact that this is a cops episode. But like, she doesn't look like she has a nose in this scene. Like, <laughs> But you could just imagine how Jillian looks, how pissed she looks. <laughs> right. You can tell that she's bothered by it at every second. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the Emmy scares herself into giving herself the hantavirus in which she immediately dies from. It's perplexing, but it's it's very like, I think it's a great scene. I think it's, it really just kind of unsettles you. Like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, because Mulder and Scully at this point barely seem to have a handle on it. It's the first time we've really seen someone die or get hurt from this, like, as it's happening. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mulder comes in, and, and, and Scully is still irritated. She's recounting what happened in such an irritated voice. <laughs> At one point, he's like, who brought up the hantavirus? Or like, why were y'all talking about the hantavirus? And he's like, I don't know! Like, she just kept mentioning it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, like, Mulder is just like, it's fear, it's fear. And she's like, it's a contagion. And she's like, Mulder, I was right there. And she's like, well, you aren't in fear of your mortal life. Like, I, it, it just hops from people to people. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing, dude? <laughs> but it's great. It's a great scene because it's such a, such a Mulder explanation. And by the end of it, you believe him because that's kind of how the show works. But it's so fun. It's, it's great. Yeah. This is like one of the X-Files parts peeking through the cops routine. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of fun because they're getting it all on camera. And so, like, the cameramen and the cops are, like, experiencing this crazy Mulder explanation for the first time. 
right? Yeah, they, exactly. These two have been kind of running around on their own for most of the night mm-hmm. while these guys are chasing down, I don't know, probably another drug case. Uh, while this is just kind of in the background. Right, exactly. Like, this is clearly not their focus. They're not out doing a APD on Freddy Krueger. Um, <laughs> I know, it's just also kind of interesting because it, for me, it makes me think back on the previous scene with Stephen Eady. Um, the first time that I watched this, I was just like, oh yeah, it's clearly not affecting them. Like, because they don't believe in it. But it makes you also think this scene, because you see how it affects somebody on purpose. Like, maybe this is how the fear entity was manipulating them. Uh, into mm-hmm. yeah. feeling fear, whether it was like mortal or not, or whether they overcame that or not. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I, yeah. I agree. It's like a very goofy scene, but I don't think that it doesn't add a whole lot to the episode. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So just, I don't know if I'll cut this or not, but I just kind of had this thought of like, so Edie, um, they don't really dif- define Edie. It's a 45 minute show. But we know that yeah. um, Steve at one point uses she pronouns for her. So I, I, I kind of assume that she's trans or non-binary or something, you know. And it, it is kind of interesting because I, I think today, like, she would maybe be gripped by that fear. But because maybe that fear would manifest into some sort of transphobia, you know, like, it's kind of a yeah, nice Yeah, like maybe it would be break. different today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like... And I, I like that she isn't really explained because she doesn't need to be. Yeah, and she's like, eating. That's actually oddly refreshing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like if it were and it's 2000, we'd probably have something horrific. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was really refreshing, too, because, you know, like when we're watching The X-Files, we are kind of dealing again in like horror tropes. Right. And so anybody who is uh, not straight, you know, has to be punished for their actions. Anybody who is probably not white has to be punished for their actions. So that was really refreshing Mm -hmm. to watch this thing from 23 years ago, not give in to that. In fact, treat these characters both individually and together with a great deal of respect. Like not just for Mm -hmm. what it was 23 years ago, but like now, like they don't have an Mm on-screen kiss, right? But they do have a moment of affection where it's just like, oh yeah, this is confirmed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. And this is kind of a side conversation, but I recently watched like all of The Lone Gunman. And there's this one where like Byers is helping his roommate's uh, sister with something. And in, you know, like two thirds the way through the episode, we find out that the roommate's sister is actually the roommate. She's trans. And and Byers kept this from everybody because they he was deeply worried how people would react to her. And he was deeply protective of her. And even her her own b- brother shows up at some point and is like really shitty to her. And and buyer stands up for her, and it was like this was made in two thousand one. Like this is Aww. shocking. Yeah. It is. It's such a a beautiful surprise. <laughs> and like yeah, yeah. And then a, a one character was like, "Oh, I knew she was trans. I don't care. Like it, it's not that big of a deal." <laughs> it right. was. It was just so heartwarming. So you know, I feel like that's kind of along that because Vince worked on that show. I wonder how much of that is like they were secretly progressive on this this you know topic (laughs) yeah for sure i think that's like a welcome surprise given like it's the content of it's like not it's not the x-files it's a spinoff it's these characters Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. are showing up in like a handful of episodes like we're not getting the skinner show um Mm -hmm. you know you kind of expect and especially if you watch the rest of the lone gunman you expect a certain level of quality and a certain level of commitment yeah uh, that i don't think that the rest of the show necessarily lives up to 
or even like yeah, the next yeah. episode after this first person shooter is like one of the <laughs> worst showcases yeah for them and just like <laughs> the idea of misogyny it's just like oh that's a welcome surprise from the lone gunman show yeah yeah and and it, it you get the sense that the crack house is Almost sole purpose is, like, that's where Wetzel ends up at the end of it, and that's where Mulder and Scully have to help him and try to save him from this mysterious monster we never see. Because we mm-hmm. end up back at the crack house. And there's the, the funny bit where, like, the door is jangling at one point, and they open it, and it's like the camera guys. <laughs> and Scully slams yeah. the door. She's like, I hate you guys. <laughs> so good. That's her little arc. <laughs> yeah, she, at one point she's even nice to him. Like she makes a direct eye contact with one of them, and then like lets them get in the car. But then at this point she's like, "Actually, no, I've changed my mind. I'm I'm not going to be nice to you anymore." <laughs> my previous judgment has been rescinded. You're, you're staying locked in the closet. <laughs> and Mulder's like banging against the the door, trying to get to Wetzel. And <laughs> I, I I like the the dialogue here. I find really sweet and like humorous. You know, setting aside that Wetzel in real life has like done like full on crimes. Like he is a member of a gang. But (sighs) this Wetzel who like doesn't exist in like the LASD gangs. (laughs) He's just like cowboy. Like he's just really trying to like tough love. Like, you know, you're on national television, dude. Like you cannot be doing this. And it's just it's Mulder's like trying his best to help this guy out. And it's. He's trying to speak his language, and he's just, like, borrowing, like, cop behavior. It's it's kind yeah. of it's funny in a way. really funny. He says cowboy up. Like. <laughs> Let me tell you something from one cop to another. Cowboy up. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know what that means. <laughs> just cowboy up. Mm-hmm. They finally get in, but not because anyone stopped anything. It's because the sun came up. And this is like very much those mm-hmm. kind of X Files episodes where Mulder and Scully don't do anything; they just exist and they try to figure it out and they fail, and whatever is happening disappears into the ether. But I, 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 I like when we have know. those. Like this is a really yeah. well done version of that. Yeah, we don't have to have an explanation for everything, Chris Carter, because <laughs> when you explain everything, it gets all muddled and weird. Until the next full moon. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I'm almost certain that they made him cut a line about until the next full moon. I I was not there. <laughs> I've done no research, but I just know deep in mm-hmm. my heart that's the kind of episode this was. It. No, I yeah. get it. I get it. And we have the end scene, and Wetzel is being loaded into an ambulance. I didn't notice this until someone pointed it out on Twitter. I think it was Gay Crouton, um, which they do like a ton of like a ton of information about the X Files, like big deep dive. So definitely. Check them out if you're interested. But they pointed out that in next in this final scene, the way David Company is standing with his legs completely apart, so that the the frame when they cut between Mulder and Scully isn't just like a foot drop between the camera pointing at him <laughs> and then pointing at Scully. He's standing like super wide base, and that's literally like how I stand evil. at my desk sometimes, where I'm like I need to just, I can't, I don't have a standing desk, so I can't stand, but I need to be up, and so I'll just, like, stand as far as part as I can. <laughs> it reminds me of, um, so my high school boyfriend was 6'4", <laughs> and I'm 5'1", <five> <laughs> and uh, when we went to prom, 
uh, in order for both of us to be in frame, they had him sit down, oh, and then I was like standing to the side next to him, and so we would be in frame at the same time. And that's what this story is, just on TV. Like yeah. David Duchovny spread eagle, so he and Jillian can be in the same frame IRL mm-hmm. without like her having to be on a box, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because like it's not the kind of episode where they could put somebody on a box. Like this is live television. Right, you would be able to see the box. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it does leave, like, to that interesting motion he kind of does at the end where he points to the camera because they're, like, they're kind of talking about what happens. And he says, it depends on how they edit it together, which I thought was a great stinger because, like, it was, I mean, cops Mm -hmm. is edited. The show is, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they choose, they they choose what they get to show. The cops get the final cut. So it is kind of like a winky nod of, like, well, you know, you can make whatever case you want if you edit it correctly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Did y'all have any... final wrap-ups about the episode before we get to the segments and our other wrap-up yeah i was kind of not really i was kind of refreshed because i remember watching this you know back before i had some uh awakenings in my life and some <laughs> radicalizations <laughs> you could call them some knowledge yeah exactly yeah. um and so i was kind of really worried when this episode came up i was just like oh we're we're really doing that huh um, and I just didn't know how I would feel after having watched it again. I come away with it with a good perspective, right? Because if anything, it just makes the whole concept of the TV show Cops look that much stupider. Uh, that's the conclusion <laughs> yeah. that I'm left with. I agree. That's a good conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I did quite a bit of research, uh, especially like for a week's turnaround on Cops. Uh, for this episode mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh i just i feel refreshed in learning that like oh yeah this was really as bad as it was made out to be um it was born of a writer's strike which interestingly enough we're mm. in the midst of right now and i think 88 wow. yeah. on strike and fox this new network was just like well what are we gonna put on here everything mm-hmm. is scripted um and so they picked up langley out of a um he had done a few like made for primetime specials, one of which had like Geraldo Rivera going on like a drug bust in real time. <laughs> mm, and so they just okay. spun that I'd out into it. from pilot to series. And yeah, it's been wow. like, like if you look at the Fox network as like a family, like this has been like the oldest sibling that provides, you know, mm-hmm. them, them that's crazy sense. to me. Well, yeah, The Simpsons, I think you could make a case of, like, the yeah. kind of, like, the goofy nephew or whatever that's, like, it's always been there. Uh, but they <laughs> mm-hmm. have, until very recently, I think, like, they still will not get rid of cops. Like, they'll never cancel The Simpsons, but, like, as bad of a shit time uh, it has been to put cops on TV, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Fox has still renewed it. Like, John Langley died in, like, I think 2021? You can edit mm-hmm. me out if I'm wrong, but he died very recently and they still like cut a deal with Langley's son to like keep producing more cops. Like nothing's going to shop, stop this shit. Like absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like cops has gone international, you know, it's, it's ended up on like Paramount plus, I think. Yeah. I think there was a, it's on streaming services. Yeah. So like, I think what happened from my brief, uh, thing is during the 2020, you know, police, protests and stuff is that live pd got canceled and cops i think and then they're bringing 
cops back or or they had already brought cops back because I've seen commercials for it recently. But yeah, like there was, you know, they thought the the heat was too hot and then they were like, oh, never mind. It's cheap. It's easy. There's always going to be an audience. Yeah, it's not hot It's kind of grim. Yeah. (laughs) So we have our segments and we start with Agent Mulder. Shut up, Mulder. Damn it, Mulder. Mulder! The Mulder rating. Um, I didn't write a number down. I forgot, but <laughs> top of my dome, I give him like a two. He's good. I like him. He's charming. He's funny. Yeah. Love that man. <laughs> it attracts. <laughs> Laura. Yeah, I give him a 5.5. Um, yeah, he's not that annoying. He's He's kind of charming in a weird way. It's fun to see him with other cops because yeah. he's so like uncopian. Mm-hmm. And we should probably have a talk at some point about like the X Files place in Copaganda because I think it's an interesting conversation to have. But the episodes are it definitely long. has a place in there. <laughs> in the past, gotten a little too defensive about people calling the X Files Copaganda <laughs> because a show I like cannot be Copaganda, right? <laughs> Um, but I've turned around. It is a little bit, obviously, but a lot different than the usual brand. Anyway. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I think it's a little bit, you know, it's different from NYPD Blue or uh, you yeah. know, Homicide, which we've also talked about all together on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Nick. Uh, once again, I'm going to break the mold here. I'm probably going to say six. Um, like, again, like really not <laughs> all of that. Not that bad, you know, just in terms of the way that he treats other people i think that he shows a great deal of empathy in this episode towards like mm-hmm. these people who are probably not getting a whole lot of empathy on an episode of cops otherwise exactly. um, he's doing his job he's doing detective work as shallow as it may be uh, but my justification again it's gonna have to go back to freddy krueger like Mulder, you really should have known better <laughs> that's funny the way he was just like so sad anytime someone said it wasn't a werewolf yeah, you blinded yourself to, you know, the true possibilities of what this thing was. And, um, yeah, can't look past that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And next we have. So uh, this must be the enigmatic Agent Scully. The sassiest Scully moment. Laura. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of moments during this episode where she was very sassy. Um. I'm going to have to go with whenever she was doing the autopsy and she looked directly at the camera and said, the FBI has nothing to hide. I just thought that that was such good shade on just the fact that, like, she tried to get Skinner to say no to them being on TV (laughs) and it just, like, didn't work at all. Yes, yes. You know, I was really, I was thinking about this one a lot. Didn't think about Mulder at all when I was watching this episode. Completely forgotten that that was a segment that y'all do. Um, But I had (laughs) this in mind the whole time that I was watching. Um, I watched more than once. I was just like, it's got to come back to the crew, right? For me, it's like her interactions with the crew. But I'm going to rescind that. Uh, I think it's when, after this woman that she has been conducting an emergency autopsy with has died. And she's just like, who is even talking about the haunted It's like, Scully, somebody just <laughs> died. Like, not only just, like, <laughs> multiple somebodies have just died. And uh, that's where she's choosing to unload her sasses at this dead woman. Like, I don't think that she can top that. I don't. 
that's that's such a good point. She is like just she was irritated with that woman, then she died, and then she got more irritated with her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know. I think you could make that yeah. like top ten sassiest Scully moments, like in the series. <laughs> that's such a good. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah. Yeah, so mine was, a lot of them were just her ber- uh, berating the crew, because it was great, you know, at one point she shoves the camera out of her face, which I think was just a great bit, because, like, it really encapsulates, this is live television, like, this mm-hmm. is, you know, the camera is not just, like, an, an unseen element, like it is in most of the show otherwise, and then, right. like, closing the door on the <laughs> the guy and just saying flatly, like, no. <laughs> yeah like that's her <laughs> dynamic through this whole episode like she's really the one making the most of the gimmick mm-hmm. like were it not for oh, her yeah. interactions like you could almost be forgiven for thinking like oh this is just like anything other than an episode of the x-files <laughs> yes yes exactly because the way like Mulder seamlessly falls into it so she had so many good and then like my other favorite one is just mm-hmm. like no Mulder I don't want me looking foolish <laughs> 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 so she was perfect this episode yeah I agree no notes and lastly, we have... Welcome, you've got mail. Our 90s slash 2000s moment. <laughs> yeah, we're on the apex, aren't we? We are, we oh, are. Yeah. We really are. Well, and I mean, I think as much as you jump into, you know, the calendar year 2000s, I think the, the X-Files is forever going to carry within its heart as a portion of its being the decade of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Especially since so little of the show is in the 2000s, really. Right. It's but this is still yeah. such a hard question to answer because it's a, it's an X-Files cops crossover. What could be more <laughs> yeah, 90s yeah. than that? It's in the title. I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's great. Um, I was watching this with one of my friends one of the many times that I viewed this uh, in preparation for the episode. And he said, like, this is like the episode that he remembers watching for the first time as a kid. This is his introduction to the show. Uh, I don't wow. know if I can zoom in on any particular one moment other than just like the fact that this crossover exists. Like he had successfully petitioned Carter for just long enough. He was like, we're not going to do your murder on a tilt a whirl, but we'll do X-Cops, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Like it, that is the big one. Yeah, exactly. Laura. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to pick one with this episode. It's kind of just like the whole vibe. But I do want to give a shout out to um, the cars. And maybe it's just because my high school car was like a 1999, like Chrysler, Mm -hmm. that like, it just feels very, the cars to me especially feel very, very, like, of the time. I mean, yes, they are, but, yes. like, it just feels very 2000s. Like, right like, off the model, like, right off the factory floor. Yeah. They look yeah, just... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, you don't always remember, like, your parents' cars as a child, but, like, I do remember, like, the cars around this time, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, funnily enough, that's mine, too. Like, at one point, they showed the car dash just because you... They were inside the car, and... Something about the way the dashboard was curved, because the early nineties yeah. were very boxy, and they had—I feel like they had a lot of trim. And then in the two thousand, like late nineties, early two thousands, everything just curved. We get smoother lines. Mm-hmm. Um, 
My co- my car was like that like champagne color that is the same color yes. as like Mulder and Scully's car. Um so like yeah, smooth lines, these like champagne tan tones, mm-hmm. like the dashboard, like very very 90s 2000s. Late 90s, early 2000s. Yes, it just it really just transported me, but the whole episode mm-hmm. is just incredibly 90s. Like who would make this episode today? You know, right. like, obviously we don't have the, I feel like we don't have the cultural knowledge of cops as much. Like, I, a lot of older people, us and people older than us, absolutely. But I feel like it might feel really out of left field <laughs> if anyone referenced cops today. I was watching this uh, from Hulu. Like, is the aspect ratio natively widescreen at this point in the show? Or was it still 4-3? I... I can't remember. I want to say, like, I feel like it could be weird because they shot on digital. They saw it digitally rather than film. Like, that the aspect ratio is different. Yeah, it feels it like... It feels different. Yeah, for sure. Like, I again, like, once you move the show to L.A., it just feels very different. But still, yeah. I don't know. It's hard <laughs> not to feel like it was a completely different show. So that was our episode. And I picked it because it's fun. It's just a blast like as much reservations as you can come into the episode with like the whole cops thing i think the episode kind of wins you over a lot because it's just so silly and i feel like it doesn't maybe this is just the kind of thing where you look at something Mm -hmm. and your own ideas about something get reflected i think I feel like this a lot with the Americans, where, like, if you are someone who's more, you know, left-leaning or less Cold Warrior, Cold War Mm -hmm. Warrior, you look at that show and you see what it's trying to say is that, like, this is fucked up on both sides. But I know it's a popular show among, like, really patriotic Americans because they they look at it and they say, look what we had to do (laughs) because of how evil and sinister the Soviets were. So I wonder how much this episode is, like, when we get to that part of the cops saying, like, I'm in fear for my life, how much of that is, mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm taking what I have bringing to the table from this conversation, how much of it is, like, making a point. I, th- I-, I think a lot of people's yeah. media literacy is really bad now, so, you know, people take what they want to take. <laughs> it, it is not, I think it, there's enough of it. Yeah, it's definitely not gotten better. It's definitely a different time. Yeah. <laughs> so... I feel like it's not as heinous as you fear it might be. Right. Um, yeah. But it's so fun, and but it is like the most copaganda the show gets to me. I always kind of, I I kind of approach this idea of copaganda. I feel like there's like kind of two, at least two levels to it. There's the more traditional kind of like, um, you know, the cops are good guys. They're doing any any law breaking they're doing is for in service of good. And at that kind of show, you think of, like, I haven't seen it, but I imagine NYPD Blue does this a lot. I know SVU certainly does it a lot. Every time Stabler goes off the handle, it's justified because there's, like, an evil rapist. Uh, So the X-Files doesn't do that, at least. Like, it views the U.S. government with contempt to a certain degree. It, It believes that there's, you know, people with sinister and ulterior motives that ha- that operate an outsized control over the U.S. government. So in that respect, you might not think it's copaganda. And I, I, I think in that metric, it fails. I think in the grander scheme, 
one thing it kind of gets sucked into is that it kind of it normalizes cops. It, it, it Mulder and Scully are good yeah. guys. Like they're they're fighting the good fight, and so we kind of see well, there's good people out there, and and also like similar to CSI, which was the hallmark of this, is that it shows all these fancy ways cops are solving cases that they're just not. Uh, and also a lot of that forensic stuff is bunk. Like, it's there's not a lot of scientific evidence. It doesn't pass scientific rigor. And so I think in some ways the X-Files falls into that. But in some ways that's like, it's less sinister, but it's kind of more insidious in some ways. Yeah. And I think this episode kind of falls into that trap more than the usual like yeah i can see that you know i gotta do this because i need to stop bad the bad guys so right i don't know i think that i thought a little bit about this when i watched it um along your same lines shelby was just like is this in service more to like an entertaining piece of fiction or is this like doing real world harm i don't think that it really is um you know, because if, if you do watch it for what it is, like, you're left to conclude that the cops are bad at their job. Like, there's a paranormal <laughs> right. entity walking among us and they failed to <laughs> catch it, despite the hundreds of cameras that they have and the resources that right. they all had, right? So it, it fails mm-hmm. that yeah. test. Um, but if you look and at also it how limited they are to, right. like, their repro- reproach when, like, he's trying to, when Wetzel is trying to articulate, like, he's not trying to say outright what he saw. But she just keeps pushing, like, it's gangbangers, right? It's gangbangers. Like, right. let's go find gangbangers. Like, this kind of narrative, like, they're filling in the blanks. It doesn't really matter what the evidence is. Like, there's some hearts yeah. of that that, like, it just kind of undercuts. It's, it's any sort of copaganda rest is just kind of coming out of that. 100%. But if you watch it as, like, an entertaining, like, fictional piece of media, right, I think it's easy to... It's easier to watch this than probably the two episodes of Cops that you tried to watch straight. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's also an interesting structure. I don't think that they could have pulled this off without the um, conceit of Cops. Like, they couldn't do X-Files does found footage horror, really, without that conceit. Yeah, that's that was something mentioned a lot in, like, the reading I did. A lot of people brought up that the Blair Witch Project came out a year before this. And I haven't seen the Blair Witch which project so a lot of this is just me picking up from like the culture and the few snippets i've seen but i i didn't see the connection too badly like honestly i think this leans more into the cops part than the found footage part but like it does kind of fall in because it is like a monster we can't really comprehend it kind of gets the found footage label but you're right Right. i think it wouldn't have worked if it was just a found footage part Right, and I think another part yeah. of it, again, that you're touching on is, like, the genre is still very much in its infancy. Like, we have these two examples to look at at this point in time. And so you have one that does it, like, really well. Like, it's, like, is so heavily associated with the genre. It's, it's what people think of automatically. And then mm-hmm. you have kind of, like, the next step in that evolution, which is this. Um, and I think that it, you know, again, they're not going to crack the code on the first go-round. Um but I do think that they did enough with it. Like, it's a very interesting con- concept, like a monster that can't be seen or that changes shape so frequently yeah. that mm-hmm. it's difficult to keep track of. Like, if we had just seen, like, the bee monster, like, that would have done nothing for me. If we had actually seen Freddy Krueger clawing yeah. the door, again, does nothing for me. Right. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it can be whatever you picture it to be in your mind, I think that's a pretty effective storytelling tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So that was our episode. So if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we are Condensed Truth on Twitter. If you would like to email us, we're condensedtruthpod at gmail.com. And next time, we will be talking Season 7, Episode 17, All Things. And it is Jillian's first and only writing credit on the show. So it'll be fun. It's it's funky. Yeah. It's a little silly. It's it's fun. It is. It is, yeah. Hey, Jillian, I'm happy for you, but first person. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Nick, for coming on. Yeah, thanks. This was a lot of fun. And I know you were kind of apprehensive to watch this because you were like not sure how copy it gets. Yeah. Yeah, I think you and I both did like a lot of research for this. I was like, you know, I want to put the, the appropriate context to this episode. I don't right. want to ignore that. But I, yeah. I was like a little too deep into the cop part. I kind of broke my brain for a little bit. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, you, you can only read so much about <laughs> It's kind of like the yeah. Matrix. Like once you accept the pill, you can't go back, you know? Uh, it'll yeah, affect like you, you read viewing. this kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you, and you're just like, what do we, where do we go from here? You know, like, yeah. I, I know this is kind of a cliched term, but like when people say you can't reform this, you really cannot. Like nope. it's it's grim. No, no you can't. Yeah, yeah, throw the whole idea away. Yep. Yeah, and despite that all, I, I did have fun, and I think we all learned something too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you get absolutely like blasted with like just absolutely off your gourd high. And you watch this episode, you could convince them yourself that Mulder and Scully are real and they were on cops. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a fun TV episode to have in, in the ether. I really wish that they had not kept the bumper so that not only could you convince yourself that, but like also like you could be like, oh shit, like I'm pretty sure I was on that episode of <laughs> Cops where. That's what I'm saying. Like they came to my door looking for a bee monster. I'm like 90% sure that happened. <laughs> exactly. also, I'm saying, like, if people accidentally believe it's a real episode of Cops, then that's hilarious. We we literally do need, like, an X, X Cops cut where it's they cut out the, the theme song and all that <laughs> stuff <laughs> and just make it look like Mulder and Scully were on a cops and then, like, upload it to YouTube. Just sneak it back in on Paramount Plus. Like, uh, you know, you're not going to catch everybody that's watching early 2000 episodes of Cops, but you'll catch a few and that's good enough. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Like uh, like War of the Worlds when people thought the world was actually ending. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. So if you're in charge of putting this shit on digital streaming platforms and you're listening to this podcast, this is your call to action right now. <laughs> your sleeper agent is activated. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, thank you for coming on, Nick. This is a blast. Thank you again for continuing to pull me back into this goofy shit. You know, I said I wanted to do mm -hmm. a Vince episode, and I yeah. said I wanted to do all of the Vince episodes, and you, you really put my claim to the test. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but we hope everybody has a nice week and or weekend, and we will talk to y'all soon. Bye. Bye.